And I came to see this type of leadership over and over again, the us versus them leadership. It may create a, a bond for you with your immediate crew, but what it does is it destroys the rest of the department. You start talking about others, you start pointing the faults out of others. This is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me today for another edition of Code 3. This is the show that gives you all the information on a firefighting topic you need in about 20 minutes. Now, let's get started. The fire service is often called a brotherhood, or a sisterhood these days. But how strong is that bond really? One of the best places to see the strength of the brotherhood in action is when tragedy occurs. A mayday call on the fire ground results in heroic efforts, and if those efforts should fail then the ceremonies for a line of duty death are truly heartwarming. But what about the rest of the time? When things are routine, how's your fire family doing? My guest today says the Brotherhood these days may need some work. John Cuomo has nearly three decades in the fire service. He's worked just about every position you can have in the service and he has served as a pension representative for a police and firefighter pension fund for 10 years. He's also written a book titled Leadership Refined by Fire, and John Cuomo joins me now. Welcome to Code 3. Thank you, Scott, so much. I really appreciate being here with you, and uh, I'm grateful for you having me on your show. Thank you. It's great to have you today. So the article on FireRescue1.com surprised me. I've always felt like the Brotherhood was pretty strong, but you're saying that in about 30 years you've seen it weakening. Why is that? Well, you know, the fire service is known for its Brotherhood, and I don't want to put that down and say that uh, that there isn't doesn't exist at this moment because it does. But as you brought out, it, it does appear at times that in some places there is a weakness. And as I brought out in the article, uh, I was listening to a Navy SEAL on a podcast, and he talked about how at times they're their own worst enemy and they kind of eat their own, as it was his words. And I see that in the fire service. Now, I could get together with a brother and sister firefighter from another department, and almost always that mutual respect is there. But sometimes within our own department, within our own family, we kind of act like our own worst enemies. Why is that? You know, I've thought about that much. I think that part of it is sometimes people view each other inside their own department as competition, possibly. You know, this individual is going to try to climb up the ladder. You know, I, I got to make sure that doesn't happen. Or uh, sometimes people get involved with the rumor mill or, you know, we just maybe tend to uh, pick on our own, our own family members, our own, those that are close to us a little bit more. And then it ends up when you work with people together for, you know, 10, 20, 30 years, sometimes that can build a problem. You know, you see that like in marriages, sometimes you maybe hear of a marriage, uh, someone was married the other day, I heard someone say their parents got divorced after 36 years. 
And you would think by that time, you know, you're together 36 years, everything's, you know, worked out. But sometimes things build up over time and then they just continue to add to it. And if you don't rectify those issues, it begins begins to create a opening or a problem between. And maybe possibly that's part of the issue, Scott. The other part I would I would say is maybe today in society in general, we seem to lack a little bit of empathy. We're very quick to cancel people. Uh, you said this 15 years ago. Now I want your job. You know, often I look on you know on the internet and, and this person is getting fired for this, and this person you know is under investigation for something they did 20 years ago when they were 16. If we were just a little bit more empathetic with each other, you know, in the fire service we go through so much. It's a very difficult job to get into, and then once you're in there. You face difficulties every single day of your career. 240 million calls are made to 911 a year in America. That's 600,000 calls every day. So in this 24-hour day today, 600,000 people in our country will be dialing 911 for some sort of emergency. And that's a lot. We handle a lot of stuff. And and we need to be a little bit more empathetic with each other and understand that uh, we all have outside lives. And some of those outside lives affect us. And sometimes we bring that into the firehouse and maybe we're not in, our, in the best mood at that moment. Maybe we say things at that time that we didn't really need to say. Maybe we act out in a way we shouldn't act out. But guess the time when as a brother or a sister, we should be trying to help bring that person along and, and using some empathy and saying, you know, is something wrong or something matter, something I can help you with um, in order to make you feel better. So I think I would say those two things are probably the biggest reasons why I see that happening. Now, the brotherhood and the sisterhood seem to be demonstrated the most strongly when there's a line of duty death. Are you saying that's the extent of it for some firefighters and on the average day they're not really all there? No, no, I, I, I think for the most part there's there are strong bonds. And there's something very interesting about the fire service and if you're ever in the military, military people will tell you the same thing. When you go into battle and you fight the beast, whatever that may be, in the military, it may be the enemy. But in the fire service, it's a fire or maybe it's a major emergency. When you fight the beast together with someone, you do create a tremendous bond with them. It's, it's, it's uncanny. It's very difficult to explain unless you experience it. You get back from a large fire. You're exhausted. You're filthy. You're starving probably at that moment. You come back into the firehouse and you look at these brothers and sisters that were just risking their life with you. And there is something deep is created there, that bond. But I think sometimes when the day-to-day interactions happen, we lose it. I would say more it happens to be pointing to other shifts, maybe other crews. When I was a young firefighter, I had an officer... Uh, I became a part of his crew, and he was a very well-liked officer by the administration. So it looked as if he was going to move up, and he he worked very hard. Now, remember, I became a part of his crew, and and his thing was, you know, we're the best. We work the hardest. The other crews are lazy. And I guarantee you, every firehouse can tell you this. They'll tell you that the, the crew that they come on for didn't check out the engine right. They didn't clean the station right. They missed up this. You know, and then the crew that comes in for them, will they say the same thing about them? But he would say this kind of thing. And this was his way of building a team. 
he would make his team close. Yeah, we're the best. We're better than everyone else. But what I noticed was all that did was create animosity towards the rest of my brothers and sisters that were on different shifts and different crews. For example, one day, a very good friend came in to work with us. He wasn't normally working with us, but he had swapped on and he was there that day. And the shift before, this lieutenant was telling me, oh, so-and-so's coming and you know he's lazy and we're going to have to watch and pick up for this. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, I don't think that guy's anything like that. I, I kind of like this guy. I don't know where this is coming from. And I came to see this type of leadership over and over again, the us versus them leadership. It, it may create a, a bond for you in the immediate with your immediate crew. But what it does is it destroys the rest of the department. You start talking about others. You start pointing the faults out of others. So the only us versus them we should ever have in the fire service is us as a firehouse, a fire department against the beast. That's it. We're there to put that fire out. We're there to rescue the, the person that needs us to, to uh, you know, fix the emergency. But we should all be together. Every crew, every shift should be part of our family, not just our immediate one. At the same time, it seems to me there's always been this joking animosity toward the B-shift or toward the C-shift. How do you keep that joking from becoming real? When I was an officer, what I always tried to do with my crews was my number one thing was to build them up, to get them to a point where we were a team, a solid team. That was my first and foremost job that I had to do. Because you get moved around. You don't always work with the same people. And sometimes you might be with a crew and then suddenly you're picked up and you're brought over here to work with this crew now, you know, for the next year or so, depending on where the where administration needs you to staff. And so the first thing I tried to do was to make us as a, a, a crew, a team. And then I tried to extend it out to everyone else that was working, the other shifts in that same station that were coming in and out and the other shifts and other crews in other stations. One of the ways I did that was we trained together. My crew, we trained a ton, you know, together. So we were very, very proficient together. We knew how to work together. We knew when we got on fire scenes, what our positions and jobs were. We knew what we to do when we got on medical scenes without even, you know, asking questions. Everyone jumped to what they knew what their job was. And we practiced that over and over again and did that. And then what we did is we extended that to everybody else in the department. Um, one, one year I was able to get a warehouse. It was a, a very large furniture uh, retail that went out of business. And so you know how furniture retail places, they have tons of rooms set up so that people could walk in all these different rooms to see, you know, bedrooms, 15 different bedrooms and kitchens and all these different things to. Right. Right. They're, they're amazing. Right. And they had taken all of that stuff out of there, but the walls were all up. So we we were able to give it the city of West Palm Beach, allowed us to use it. And all summer long, we went there and we trained constantly on all kinds of, of firefighter tactics. And then we opened it up. We built all these different props and we opened it up for all the rest of the department to come in there. And and our guys on our team would would stay there and help them. We'd show them you know, some of the things that we learned, help them to go through some of the props that we worked with. And that brought a closer camaraderie to, to the entire department. It, it allowed us others to feel proficient at some of the things that we were doing. And it brought us together as a team. And then the other thing is I don't allow us to talk about others. And once the, the conversation starts going negative, 
you know, I try to change the conversation. Let's not go down that road. You know, it's not, that's not appropriate. We don't know the whole story. You aren't there. We don't want to pass on rumors. We wouldn't want that said about us. You know, you try to go down that road. And after a little while, your team understands what you're looking for and they don't go down that road. You know, they understand this is a tight bond. And because of that, I had quite a few people request to come work with my crew, which, you know, was pretty fantastic. And that's great. But, you know, I think most firefighters think their bond is strong. What should they be looking for to determine if it isn't really? I would say, unfortunately, rumors are a big thing. And it's probably every job. So I don't want to single out the fire service. But a lot of times you'll come in and you'll hear, oh, you know, in the morning we get together around the table. Depends on how many people. Let's say in a department of six firehouse that has six people running that firehouse. So there's six people that are leaving in the morning, six people that are coming on in the morning, and they have to transfer information to each other. What happened yesterday, what tools broke, what things were new, you know, anything, stuff like that. So what happens sometimes around that table with the 12 people is a lot of the negativity comes out. So if you're there and you start hearing people talking about others, you could pretty much guarantee they're probably talking about you behind your back. That might be one instance right there. If your buddy's willing to blast or talk about other people all the time, then if you're going to do something, there's a good chance that that person might be talking about you. So you you want to see, you know, in the book I wrote, I talk about rumors, not participating in them. But I also talk about the fact that if you hear rumors about you addressing those rumors, you don't want to get upset by them. You don't want to let it derail you. But you don't want people to think those things as well, because over time, when you let rumors just sit there and others keep talking about it, sometimes it can become true in, in people's minds that this is who you are. So you want to kind of address those rumors. You want to you know, want to stop those. I would say that's one of the things. And generally, you, I think most people could tell when someone likes them or dislikes them. You know, and uh, when you're stuck with someone for 24 hours and you eat breakfast, lunch and dinner with them. You sleep in the same dorm with them, you know, and you hear every, you know, shift you you have conversation with them. It's easy to pick up whether or not these individuals individuals really truly care and have that bond for you or not. So here's an interesting bit of sociology that just occurred to me. Do you think that there's some lack of brotherhood because there are fewer life-threatening situations these days? I mean, destruction fires aren't as common. Scott, I would say you're dead on, dead on. Like I said before, there's there's a camaraderie, there's a bond that happens when you battle something and you risk your life with somebody. Because of advances, um, we do face less fires or life-threatening situations, and that probably hurts the bond a little bit. In addition, I would say, I think everybody sees... A lot of the things that are going on in the country, we've become very polarized. I remember starting a little more than 30 years ago, and on probation, you have to learn the rules and regulations and the procedures, and there's a whole bunch of things that you have to learn that during that year. And I remember the rules and regulation book, they had two old versions in the beginning, and then the new version that you had to learn. The old versions were just one page. New versions were, were like 100 pages you know, because there's been so many rules added to it. But I remember in all three versions, 
It said there was no talking about politics or religion, you know, on duty. And I thought to myself, wow, that's kind of strange. I mean, we're supposed to be brothers and sisters. We can't have a you know simple conversation and disagree about something. But but you look around in the country now, and it's gotten so polarized that you know uh, people can't disagree on things without sometimes hate coming out and anger. And I think that also, besides what you just brought out, I think that also plays a part in it. It seems like everything becomes political now, no matter what it is. It's all of a sudden political. And if you agree with this, then you're an idiot. If you don't agree with that, you're an idiot. You know, and be, and, and some of these other things also make their way into the fire service, unfortunately. Any other tips other than controlling gossip? First and foremost, I would say set the example, you know, no matter what. If you're sitting there and you're starting rumors, if you're talking about others on other shifts, you know, things like that, you, you can't expect other people are not going to do the same, especially if you're a leader. You know, set the example and people will follow it. And, and, and believe it or not, people want to be with someone like that. People don't want to sit around and talk about negatively, talk about other people. They really want to get together, enjoy their time together at that that firehouse because of the other difficult things that we face. So set the example of an individual who doesn't go down that road. Speak kindly about your brothers and sisters. When something happens and and, uh, uh, the rumors out there, you know, squash it. Say, look, we don't know the full story. Let's not talk about it. We wouldn't want someone talking about us. Then I spoke about humility. Humility is a very interesting thing. One of the most incredibly powerful things that we could do, but also very looked down upon in a lot of ways by people. They think that if you're a leader and you're humble, that's weak. It's the exact opposite. And in my research for my book, I came across quite a few individuals and I, and I tried to bring in as much outside sources as I possibly can. And just says, for example, Chris Kyle is, uh, if, if you don't know the name, he's uh, the most pro- prolific uh, American sniper in history uh, for the military, highest number of kills. And he said all the great officers he had were humble. He didn't say some. He didn't say a few. He said all. That means the ones that weren't good were not humble. Jocko Willink is a Navy SEAL, ex-Navy SEAL, and has a, an excellent podcast, has written some books. He talks about the importance of being humble as a leader. Humility breaks down those walls. It draws people to you. You know, so it doesn't mean you let people walk on you. You still have to be strong. All those individuals are very strong. But humility is important. Another thing I speak about is uh, practicing acceptance. You know, the fire service, just in the 30 years I've been around, has changed so much. You know, we are such a diverse group much more diverse group now than we ever were. It's a positive. It's a good thing because the people that we serve are diverse. What a wonderful thing. I, when we have calls with that on, on women in, in our community, I was so thrilled to have women on my team at that moment. First of all, they're able to connect better with the patient. The patient feels more comfortable that there's another woman there. And then there's certain medical tests that a much better uh, performed by a woman on a woman as opposed to having a guy doing that. It, it gives them their dignity and things like that. So the diversity, accept it, be a, be, a, be a part of bringing that into the firehouse. That's that's a wonderful thing. Don't don't fight that trend. It's it's a good thing. Be generous with praise is another thing I brought out. You know, people love to hear that they're doing a good job. 
it's it's not it's not that the children and they they want to say you say good job and you know they feel like that uh, wow I just got praised. What it is is they feel like that they're being understood. They feel like they're a part of the team now. When you reach out to your team members and you say, look, uh, so and so, I really appreciate the way you handled yourself on that call. You really set a good example. You really made that patient feel really good. You really did an excellent job of putting that fire out. You know, you, you know, the way you did that search and rescue was really good. That person feels built up and they feel closer to the team now. And so we want to be liberal with our praise, but we also want to make sure it's not fake. You know, you don't want to just say things to say it because then people see through that and it actually has a negative effect. So try to find something that, that you saw that was good in what they did and give them that commendation. And it makes people feel like they're a valued member of your team. All right. That's all actionable stuff that we can all do. You don't need to be an officer. So, John Cuomo, thanks for talking with me today on Code 3. Thank you, Scott, so much. It was a pleasure meeting you and pleasure talking with you. And I hope in the future we get a chance to talk again. And there's more about strengthening the brotherhood among firefighters on our website at Code3Podcast.com slash family. That's also where you'll find a link to order John's book, Leadership Refined by Fire. So, hey, if you find Code 3 to be valuable to your professional development, why not make a pledge to keep this show going? $10 a month gets you access to the Code 3 Bull Sessions, where we post occasional material that didn't make the main show. Just go to Code3Podcast.com and click on Support the Show. Thanks! Alright, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more and I hope you'll join me. I'm Scott Orr and until then, stay safe. To contact us, get more information on today's show, or to subscribe to the podcast, go to Code3Podcast.com.